Let's pray. God, you are good. Jesus, you are awesome. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for dwelling in us and with us. You are here today with us because whenever we showed up, you came with us because we are in you and you are in us. Father, we ask today that our spiritual eyes might be opened, that our ears might hear, so that our hearts might continue to receive this incredible revelation of the Christ that is at work in us, so that you might not only be revealed to us, but that we might manifest you in this world, this fallen world receiving the good news because of who you are and what you do through us. We praise you today. It's all because of what you have done, Jesus. You have completed the work. It is done. It is over. It's complete. We rest in it. And we thank you, Father, that we can rest. We don't have to work, but we just enjoy, relax. We receive, we breathe in of your breath today, Father, the unseen realm. And we thank you now, Father, that what you're about to do among us is far greater than even on our expectations and our limitations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There was a conversation that Jesus was... By the way, I really enjoy the background music, don't you? Uh, This is really cool, okay? I could tell that Bill Snell was having a quite challenge with it last week. Could you tell? And I was like, hmm, maybe it'll heighten his awareness of some of the... uh, (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, Jesus was having a conversation with some of his disciples at one time. And um, he asked them a question. He said, who do men say that I am? What was his response? What was their response? Does anybody know? Some say Elijah, John the Baptist, okay, prophets, right? And probably, assuming that, you know, I, I, I kind of, I live in an amplified version of when I read the scriptures. There was probably other people that were sitting there, well, I think he's one of the scribes, or I think he's one of the great teachers of the, from the synagogue. I think he's Moses. I think he's Isaiah. You know, there could have been all kinds of people going crazy about who they thought they were. At the end of the conversation, he turns to Peter, James, and John, and he says, well, that's who they say that I am. Who do you say that I am? See, the world says one thing, but who do you say that I am? And what did they say? Peter responded, and he said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him, Hmm, you didn't just receive this all of a sudden by some intellectual brain burp. This was given to you by my Father. Okay? Jesus later says to him, Upon this revelation, upon this truth, upon this solidness, I am going to, this revelation, I'm going to build the church. Now, most of you know from exposure to teachings in religious circles or reading and studying on your own that the name Peter actually means small stone or little rock. 
But the revelation that he shared with the Christ that day when he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. When Jesus said that revelation, upon that rock, I'm going to build the church. He didn't say little stone. He said huge boulder. So here's the little boulder that spoke. Here's the little stone, the little pebble that spoke the huge boulder. And Jesus said, and I'm too bad that religion gets it all twisted. They think, a lot of denominational teachings thinks that, that Peter is the father of the church and it's upon him that the church is being built. No, it's the revelation that Peter had that the church is being built upon. The revelation of the Christ. And there he was speaking to the Christ himself. Here was the little pebble speaking to the huge boulder. They were having a conversation. And because of that exchange and that revelation, the Son of God says to him, Upon that, I'm going to build everything. Now, how simple, but how profound. How simple and how profound. That same man, Peter then, later in life, picks up a pen and he begins to encourage saints. And he pens some incredible words. And if you have a copy of Scripture, turn with me to 1 Peter. I'm going to read from chapter 2. And he's, he's pinning words to saints in various and sundry places throughout his experiences. He's not speaking to one particular church like Paul, Paul would write to the church at Rome or the church in Galatia. This introduction from Peter says he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. But he's speaking to those who reside as aliens. Now he's speaking to them as aliens because they were in the world, but they were not of the world. They had believed on the Christ. They were seeing another realm. They weren't living by that which was seen. They had heard the good news. And they had believed. And now because of that, he's writing to people that are scattered, it says, throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen. So he's writing to a very uh, widespread group of believing saints. But I want to lead our attention to chapter 2, beginning with verse 6. Peter says this statement in writing, This is contained in Scripture. Now he's going to start writing something that's already been written. This is contained in Scripture, he says. And he starts writing from the prophet Isaiah. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone. Here's the stone. Now he's writing about the stone. He still has this revelation years later. He's been living the reality. And now he's beginning to reinforce this reality to saints in all these various places... The little pebble is now transcribing about the boulder. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. And he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. That's good news. That's the quote that he penned. And then he says, this precious value then is for you who believe. 
Now, he's not only speaking to all these people in these other places. This book was preserved for me and you. He's now speaking to me and you. Way down, generations and eons of times later. Thousands, hundreds of years later. This precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, and he goes back to quoting David from the Psalms. He first quoted Isaiah, and he wrote about Isaiah. Why is he doing this? Because all of these people he's addressing were people who had Judaizers that were coming right behind him and exposing them to the law and the prophets and, the, and all the things that were contrary to the good news. And so he's going back and he's saying, let me quote Isaiah to you about the prophet. Let me tell you about David who you worship now as a result of him being a man after God's own heart. Here's what David said. David said, the stone which the builders rejected. This became the very cornerstone. And, and he quotes another. He goes back to Isaiah. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Now that rejection and that offense is for those who do not believe. But for us who believe. For us who say, I've heard the good news. I receive this gift that God has given me by faith. It is not a stone of stumbling. It's a stone of building. It's a stone of life. It's a stone of security. It's a stone that keeps us safe. Whenever life and circumstances and the doctors and the nurses and everybody else in business and and family experiences and all that stuff and the weather gets you down, guess what? The rock, he's there. We're in him. We're solid. For the unbeliever stumbles because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. I like verse 9. I've heard this verse quoted all my life. But I like what it says. But you. When I see that word, but, in Scripture, I pay attention. Because he's been saying a whole lot of things about people who believe, and things that they've been exposed to that are contrary to the gospel. You know, whether or not Isaiah's prophecies are true, whether or not the heart of David is true. And then he he focuses away from those that are not believing this good, good news. And he goes back and he says, But you! He's going back to, drawing the attention back to the believers. And he says, But you, you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You and I are very interesting individuals. And as a result, that makes us very, very intriguing people. We are in this world... But sweethearts, we are not of it. We are beside ourselves, as Paul once got claimed, okay? We live in another realm. And I like the way that Peter defines it. He says, you are a chosen generation. Chosen, why? Because before 
creation even happened, before anything was, God said to himself, I am, all I want is a relationship. My heart is to be with someone other than these angels and these seraphims. And especially the devil. I got to do something about that guy. You know, I'm just sick of all this. You know, I'm going to do something here. So he made it possible for us to enter into a choosing process. To believe. To have faith. Chosen generation. Now, generation doesn't refer to just one 35-year span. God is outside of space and time. A generation in this context has nothing to do with a generation from one offspring to another. Generation refers to new creation. Something that's never been done before. And it's not, it is timeless. It's not within a time frame. So whenever we enter this other realm, we have been generated. We are a new creation. We're a species that this earth has never encountered before. That's why when you interact with people and God gives you the opportunity to begin to tell about where you stand in God, your relationship with God, they may look at you, at you as if you are a little, bit, a little strange and sideways, but that's okay because that is you manifesting your chosen generationalness. You are a chosen generation. You are a you, but you are a royal priesthood. Oh man, what does that mean? You and I no longer have to go to the priest. We don't have to go with old sacrifices. There's been one sacrifice given for all time, for all people. It is done. And as a result, we are transformed from having to go somewhere. Now we are placed in someone. And he becomes our eternal high priest. And therefore, we become the priesthood because all we are is reflecting him, the high priest. We are the royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. A holy nation. Now, the, this P stands for the, uh, I think King James uses one word. It says, for God's own possession. King James uses uh, the term peculiar. That doesn't mean weird, okay? It means highly specialized. Uh, wearing one, uh, one name, God's own. Whenever they made the um, ephod, uh, God gave Moses directions on uh, Aaron's where, whenever he would go into the Holy of Holies in the temple before God, they took a brass plate and they put holiness unto the Lord and they put it on his forehead. They branded his forehead with it and holiness was that which he, he lived by. And because of that holiness, it made him a very peculiar individual, one who had been chosen by God to represent the entire nation and go in and plead their case before God. Over the years in my relationship with God, I used to really have a hard time with this term right here, holy. And several years, many years ago, I began to really ask the Lord about this term holiness. Anybody ever questioned whether or not you're holy? Holy? You know there's the Holy Bible. We just read out of the Holy Bible. In the Bible, there's terms like Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, some of you have heard this in, in the past. What does the term, the base term of holy mean? Separate, sanctified, other. 
The sim- the s- other than. That's right. That's right. Um, Isaiah, uh, I believe it was, was it Isaiah who had the uh, revelation? He said, in the, king that you, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Was that Isaiah? Yeah. And he says, he saw the seraphims at the throne of God. What were they saying continually? Holy, 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 holy. They worshipped day and night without ceasing. Holy, holy. All they had to say. They couldn't find anything else to say. What can we say? And the angels were, were given this word. Holy. Other. <laughs> other. <laughs> other. Other. For it has not entered into our minds. To him who is able to ex- do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. To him be glory. Because every time we try to figure it out, how something's going to be transpiring and coming to a conclusion, kind of like our health. You see, if it were up to me, I'd be healed yesterday. But you know what? God is other. He's other. Why? Because His otherness, exposing and manifesting itself in our lives, brings glory to Him and allows us to simply be the tool by which He glorifies Himself. There's great release in that. There's great release in that. See, I thought holiness was something that I had to do. Be ye holy, for God is holy. You know how you be holy? Only the Holy Spirit can make you holy. You can't do anything to make yourself holy. Now, we can, we can try to trick ourselves and try to persuade ourselves mentally that we can try to... Maybe if I can follow a certain formula or do certain things, I can, quote, have a better relationship with God. It's not part of the gospel. It's not part of the good news. The good news is that God, through Jesus Christ, has made it possible for us to be united with the living God by faith. And now, because of that... God no longer remembers our sins, our iniquities. He remembers no more. We are in constant, continual relationship with the living God. There's nothing that can separate us from the living God. Not only our mind trips, not only, not only our, our fa- failures, our flesh flops, not the conditions of the world, but because of who God is and the simple act of resting in what He has done, now God has declared us to be holy just like him Ah! and along with the angels what can we say well God you're really cool no holy (laughs) holy 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 John the Revelator penned words in in the book of Revelations and he talks about how that uh, whenever all the end of time is, is coming to pass he starts talking about how that there is an experience where there, he saw these four creatures before the throne and they had these big wings and they were hovering and it says continually they were saying something also. So here's Isaiah hundreds of years ago talking about seraphims worshiping before God. Their only expression was holy, 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 holy. And then at the end of time, John's talking about what they see and here are creatures Not just us, the creatures that have continually been before the throne of God. And what are they saying? Holy, holy, 
holy, holy. Now, holy. I love this term holiness. I used to think holiness was acts of righteousness. Doing something that was good. And when I heard the good news, I realized that the Lord freed me from having to work to be holy because our holiness is simply a manifest, manifestation of who He is in daily activities and ongoings of life. Ah, thank you, Lord. Now I just actually love reading my Bible. I used to read my Bible because I thought it pleased God. And God was going... I like to pray now because I can pray without ceasing. I used to think prayer was a time that I set apart every morning at 4.30 a.m. I didn't want to get out of bed, but God was making me get out of bed. I had to please Him. Oh, whatever it takes, Father. Not my will, but Thy will. Boy, was I screwed up. And religion will do that to you guys. But there's great freedom in coming to hear the good news. Oh... Thank God you and I are holy today. We are totally righteous. We have been totally sanctified. We are set apart for the Master's use. We are vessels that bring forth good works, not because we are trying to please Him, but because we have pleased Him. The only pleasure that Father gets today is that we have believed on the One that He has sent and it's for our good and His glory. And we abide in Him. Amen. We abide in Him. We abide in Him. And as Paul says, the only fight that we have now is to continue the fight of faith. To continue to believe. The hardest thing that you and I will ever do is to be reminded of the Holy Spirit to continue to believe in what God has done in Christ. But I failed. I told a lie this morning. Oh, help you. No. What do you do? You run to the Father. Father, he says, I know. I took care of it. Grace. Holy, 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 holy. This revelation of holiness completely has changed my life. Oh, the revelations of being chosen, of being royal, of being a peculiar person. All these things are special. But there are things that are happening in your lives, your life today, that is really igniting you and you're effervescent in your heart. There's an expectation in you because God has placed within you desires and intrigues that you've never experienced before. See, I used to think that when God gave me the desires of my heart, He gave me what I wanted. Boy, did I miss it. The Scripture's talking about when God gives you the desires of your heart, He places within you that which you want for your good and God's glory. Your wanter has changed. That's cool. That's cool. And so today I want us to just take a few minutes here and talk about Interact a little bit about what's going on in, in our lives. See, I, I have an expectation. I am really excited about Dr. Kleinman giving a witness to a miracle. But more exciting than that, I'm believing God for His profession of faith. 
I'm, I'm flying stealth on this one. <laughs> you know, I've got a hidden agenda. <laughs> and when he tells me he doesn't, he says, I don't know why I'm doing this. He says, I just like you. I said, because God's got a purpose here, dude. <laughs> I'm excited about that. So there's things that are going on in our lives that really get us excited in our daily walk, in our activities. What are some of the revelations that you've had, over, whether it's in the last few hours, days, weeks, months, over the, when you've been exposed to the teaching of grace, this incredible finished work of Christ? What's coming alive in you? And if, if you can, raise your hand, because I'm going to try to get it so that we can get, get you recorded. Don't let this mic scare you off. It's just a means of amplifying so that everybody can hear. But raise your hand and let me come to you so that we, we can all hear what you've got to say. Anybody like to share? Okay, great. Excellent. Okay. Uh, I want to address the uh, royal priesthood and what you uh, spoke about uh, when Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And then uh, he answered, you know, he said, you are the Christ, you know, the Father's beloved Son. Uh, then Jesus said back to him, you know, heaven and earth didn't reveal this to you, you know, but my Father in heaven. And, he, and then he said, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And just like you said, there are denominations, which I've definitely grown up with, uh, and I still encounter people that give me this all the time, that uh, Peter is the foundation of a certain church, all church, universal church. And the other day I was reading this, and I knew it, that wasn't true, but this just popped out at me the other day that, first of all, rock, in this sense, is written with a small r, okay, is a, is a thing. If you go to Isaiah 44, uh, this is uh, talking about the promise of the Spirit and everything. In verse 8, it goes on, David saying, Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock with a capital R. So, rock, capital R, foundation, the Lord, I'm thinking, you know, just right there. And there's other places where the word rock is in capital, yes. meaning, you know, the Lord, the foundation, he is the rock. So there is no way, I mean, just from a grammatical standpoint, that these people can say, you know, rock here, Peter is the rock. Peter is a person. He can't be a rock, first of all. I mean, and I just got, that just, you know, was expounded to me. Right. For, in, that, in that sense. Yes, great. As a matter of fact, the passage right before that passage I read out of First uh, Peter, it talks, Peter's talking to about how that we are living stones. Correct. Okay, and he's the rock. It's kind of like this building. That wall, assuming that it's made out of blocks and brick and mortar, this wall is supported by this foundation. This foundation is solid, secure. It's not going to go anywhere, but that rock right there, I can blow it down. Trying to get that rock moved is going to be virtually impossible. And Christ is more solid than that even. These are examples. You know, these, these are ways of people trying to express the reality of this incredible thing that's happened in our in a relationship with God. Excellent word. Good. Someone else? Well, while you're thinking about it, one of the revelations that's uh, really turned my, my life upside down is the difference between the Old and the New Covenant. 
I think I've shared this in the past about how the old covenant was made between God and man and the new covenant is not between God and man. We, have, we are beneficiaries of it. But the new covenant now is between God the Father and God the Son. And the joy is, he says, do you believe the new covenant? You're in. Oh, awesome stuff. Kenny? When you're talking about uh, uh, royal priesthood, uh, I guess last year at a time I was going through some depression and stuff, and the Lord uh, just gave me that, that word about royalty, that when you walk into places, you, you are royalty. And you need to start, you know, seeing yourself as royalty. That you are, you're loved. That you're, uh, that you're uh, you know, a child of God, and that you're, you're royalty to me. It was like God was personally saying that to me. That you're royalty to me, and I need for you to see that that's what you are. And don't let the enemy come in and say, "Oh, you've you've blown this, you've blown that, and blah blah blah." And and and, and God says, "I want to lift you up, and I want to show you that you're royalty to me." You're not just you know, somebody uh, going back and forth on a, a mundane you know, world and stuff, but you're royalty. Yes. So when people see you, they see that glory or that, that lamp that sometimes there's a light. You know, James had taken the light and the lamp shade and put it over the lamp shade. You're a 100-watt light bulb, you know. And sometimes we tend to look at the lamp shade and we get down on ourselves, but all of a sudden the Spirit comes and lifts us up and says, No, you are royalty to me. And because of that, I love you, and I want you, the world, to see that shining light in you. And you'll, you know, but first you need to know how much I love you, how much I want to give my goodness to you, my life to you, my, my love to you. So out of that, that lamp becomes, you know, a major shine where there's no other lamps on top of it, but you start shining like mad and without even knowing it. And people come up and say, why? why are you smiling all the time? And what's going on with that? And at work, you know, yesterday we had church at work. It was uh, just an, off another thing here. But because uh, God is moving underground in such a way right now, it's, it's amazing. Grace is getting out everywhere. YouTube has got this one dude on, doing the poetry hits. And uh, he's got 9 million hits on, on his, uh, on his uh, video. And he's talking about the finished work of Jesus, re, uh, Jesus versus religion. If you get a chance to take a look at it, take a look at it. It's awesome. But God's given us, I mean, me and my friend were like at work and we're looking at it on his phone. <laughs> and we were just like, I was like having church. I was like, man, you feel the glory of God. You know, it is amazing, you know. So it's just cool because it's like an underground. See, we're people, you know, that are, are, are stuck in the... Uh, uh, looking at the, the flesh revival, in a way, so to speak, uh, not seeing Jesus in his finished work. Uh, we're seeing Jesus in his finished work, so we see him in the spirit. So now, as we see him in the spirit, we see him moving underground like mad. But the world's waiting for a revival, but we see it already. We're like, hey, it's, it's, are you hearing this? You know, so it's kind of neat. It's like how Paul seen, you know, first Paul, how Paul seen Jesus in the flesh, but then once he got the Spirit, then he says, I don't see Jesus that way anymore. So now the Holy Spirit's moving in us, and we're starting to see this message of the finished work. It's like, it's rumble. It's rumbling, folks, big time. So get ready for a major revival like you've never seen before, big time. When it comes to the underground revival, glory to God. So, <laughs> Amen. Yes. Okay, great. I'm um, actually very new to the whole grace message. I was um, very, I was in full-time ministry for four years and did lots and lots of works, and that's how I made myself holy to God, totally in that mindset. Um, I 
burnt myself out really, really bad and took about a year off. And Jesus has just been revealing himself to me, which I, of course, didn't feel worthy because I wasn't doing all the works. Um, but then I've, I've found these teachings in this church, and I've been getting a lot of revelation. But um, since I came out of the full-time ministry, I've been working at a restaurant. A cool thing happened. A girl came up to me and said, I had this crazy story, and I've been trembling ever since I've had it, and I don't know what to do with it. And she had this whole story where she pretty much got saved in her dream, and I was in it. And she said, I don't know why you're in it. I know you're into all this God stuff, but just tell me what, you know, tell me what this is about. She's into every other religion there ever has been. She kind of believes that there's like a spirit out there, but she's totally given herself over to the Lord. So Jesus is saving people because Jesus is saving people, not because of my works or because of because of who he is so it's really cool oh cool reminds me of joseph's joseph's experience where the king called him and said i got a dream man i need you to tell me what's going on he says no problem <laughs> you know uh, excellent excellent someone else kathleen let me get to you let me step right over you guys I was just reading last week um, in the Bible. I couldn't find the exact scripture, but when Jesus was walking with his disciples and they started to pick the grains and eat them, and it, it just the three or four verses right there really uh, spoke to me that when the uh, Pharisees came up and asked him, why do your disciples do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus' answer was, have you not read... And it was back in Isaiah, which was in the what they were reading. And he said, "Haven't you read what David did when him, when he and his uh, men walked through uh, through the temple and took the showbread, which was not lawful?" And he gave them that example from what they were used to, and. For David to eat the showbread in the temple, knowing that was really bad back then, you know. And then he said um, another example uh, in the Sabbath. If who among you has a sheep that falls will not help him. And then immediately he went to the synagogue and had the man stretch out his hand and made it right in front of them. And they still wanted to go after him and kill him. But he said to them, if you had known who I am or who God was, because in their mentality it was God, you know, that they were trying to honor. And who are you to have your disciples pick grain and everything? But he said, if you had known who I was and what I desire is mercy, not law. And he was concerned about their hunger. And they were hungry. And the first person, first disciple who reached out his hand and picked grain to actually eat it, if it had been like the, like the Pharisees thought, they would have been struck dead. Jesus would have corrected them. Jesus said, you can't do that, you know. But he said, if you had known who I am, they're hungry. This is for them. Amen. Good. Good. Excellent. Let us be reminded of the words here in the Peter pens. But you... But you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a possession of God. How awesome is that? Why? Because we read, we've heard it, we've believed it, we are. 
It's not a matter of wanting to be. I'm glad that is a, an eternal present he's talking about. The Greek there is are. A present reality. I love it. Someone else have anything to share? Don't let these moments go by. These are so cool. So cool. One more thing thing here. Just a side note. Holiness was attached to fear under the old covenant. Holiness was attached to fear. And you got people on Facebook writing, uh, writing that we need to fear God more and get back into holiness. Well, under the old covenant, it was attached to fear. Under the new covenant, it's attached to unconditional love. Yes. That's the holiness of God. It's unconditional love. If you take that love out, you have no good news. Okay, you're back to the Mount Sinai again. So just those two, just a side note. You know? Excellent. Good word. That's right. But his disciples knew and they weren't afraid to pick great Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, what is so cool. In the, Old Te- in the Old Testament, we were encouraged in the writers to practice holiness. And it's a worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship the Lord. In, in some translations, it says holy array. The real translation there actually means worship the Lord being clothed in His goodness. You can't help but show it if you're clothed in it. You know today I am in a gray sweater because I'm clothed in a gray sweater. When you are clothed in in the holiness of God, you can't help but to be seen as the holiness of God. The repercussions of that is so awesome. I don't know if I've shared some of this with you guys, and I know we've got to close down here shortly. I had a business transaction right before the end of the year where there were some of these uh, Orthodox Jews that came in from New Jersey. And they flew in and they own several major apartment communities here. And I had an appointment with them because I had bid on paving the roadways in one of their huge communities here. And so they were bringing in representatives of the five companies that had bid. And I had the privilege of being the last of the five representatives. And I went and sat down with these guys. These guys had on their caps for Hanukkah. They had on their um, prayer, um, their prayer belts with the tassels. They had on their special clothing. I mean, these are Orthodox Jews from up north. And they're parading around this clubhouse and everything. And they're just there. When I walked in, I mean, the guy is actually sitting at the end of the table doing this number. You know, saying prayers. Hebrew. So I walk in and I shake hands. And I remember seeing the rep of the, of, uh, the, the management group, uh, the asset manager, the two Orthodox Jews guys, and the site manager. And when I walked in, the Lord just said, Say Merry Christmas to these guys, but to them, say Happy Hanukkah. So I shook the hands of the Gentile guys, okay, wished them Merry Christmas, and I looked at him, and he says, My name is Charlie. I said, Charlie, Happy Hanukkah to you. And the other guy said, His name was Ernie. I said, Ernie, Happy Hanukkah to you. He says, Well, let's get down to business. And I sat down, and we talked for about a half an hour. Well, I didn't know how it went overall, but I, had a, I just knew in my heart, that the Lord was going to give me an opportunity 
to say something, just to plant a seed. I said, Lord, give me the opening, and I don't care if it's the eye of a needle. I'm a rich man. I'll go through it. <laughs> just give me the chance. All right? And the Lord just opened it up. We were ending the conversation. He reaches over to me and he goes, Russ, I'm glad that you came here. And with these words, he said, Russ, you are of a different spirit. And the Lord said to me, let me tell you about my holiness. Let me tell you about how I declare my goodness whether it's in the face of adversity or for the good. I left the meeting and I was stunned. I was like, whoa, dude. What a witness. Yeah, I was totally encouraged by this guy. Okay, I'm driving down John Young Parkway coming back to I-4 and I get a call from this association manager on my cell phone. He goes, Russ, I don't know what happened with these guys. He sp- says, but... They've just decided to go ahead and declare you guys <laughs> as the contractors. And I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't even spec it the way they wanted it to spec. I told them the reality of what was going on out here, why they had base failure and what they needed to do. It wasn't even spec with the generic specs they gave. And the guy says, well, he was right. All they kept saying is, there was a different spirit. And I said, glory to God. I pulled off John Young Parkway. Put my truck in park. And I couldn't help but raise holy hands. Holiness. Holy. Holy, 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 holy. God, only you can do this. Only you can do this. And I just got a report on an email this week. They're coming back in town first part of February. And we get to meet again. And I'm believing God to give me the opportunity of continuing to water these seeds. I have a heart for my Jewish friends, whether it's my doctor or those that want to employ my business. I'm believing God for a great harvest among the Jewish people that I come in contact with. Guys, we, you and I, we are a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. Justin, you're a peculiar person. Why? Because the Christ is at work in you and you rest in Him. We are so cool. Not in the eyes of the world, but before God, we are totally blessed. Totally. Because we do nothing but rest in being holy in Him. It's good news. Good news. Anybody else have anything they want to share? We're going to end in prayer. Hazel? Verse 9. Verse 9, which you have written up on the board. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may... So that... You may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's why. The reason is that we can proclaim. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, giving us the privilege to proclaim who you are. 
giving us the privilege to proclaim what you have done, giving us the privilege to just be in you. Now, Father, as we depart this place and we join together with other saints, as we proclaim your goodness wherever we go, Father, may you alone give us the words to say, for you said that when you set us up before kings and princes, we will open our mouth and you will fill it. We receive that. And we go into the peace of God today in Christ's name. Amen.